honored to be here um, as we continue our Reply All series. And so Reply All is one of my favorite series of the year because it actually answers the questions that you guys have. So every single Easter, I don't know if you guys know this or not, it's our highest attendance Sunday of the year. So everyone comes home and we actually do a survey where we ask you guys questions. So it's a survey that helps us get get better, but it also helps us understand what questions you have and what messages you would like to hear. So that's what Reply All is all about. It's answering your questions. And Pastor Jim tackled the topic last week of how do I share my faith, and it was amazing. Um, And this week we're going to tackle another topic, and it's actually one of the biggest questions that you guys have asked, and that is how do I handle stress? right? Stress. We all deal with stress in our lives, and we want to know how do we handle it. The truth is the world is more stressed out than it's ever been before. Get this, there's so much stress in the world that they actually have stress institutes, okay? They have institutes that are dedicated to studying stress, and here's what they report. 77% of all people, 77% of all people in the U.S. say they regularly, not once, but regularly experience stress. 73% experience regular psychological symptoms caused by stress. And get this, one in five Americans, one in five Americans say they suffer from extreme stress. And what it means by extreme stress is you're actually having physical symptoms. So you're shaking, your heart's beating, your chest is hurting, maybe you're having migraines. And I thought this was interesting. 60% of all illness and diseases get their root in stress. That means stress is actually making you physically ill. So obviously it's a relevant topic, so it's, it's no surprise that you guys have asked for it. And anytime we want to cover a topic, we want to look at the root of it. What is driving all of this stress? And the Stress Institutes report that this is what's stressing us out. And the first is relationships. Relationships are stressing us out. That's why Pastor Jim did a relationship series about two months ago, because dealing with people is clearly stressing us out. Conflict is stressing us out. So, and usually that conflict comes from dealing with people, <laughs> right? Um, I'm married stresses us out. Some of you are sitting next to your stress right now. Don't look at them. Don't look directly at them. There's a whole other group that say, I'm not married. Being not married is stressing me out. So my singles looking to mingle are stressed out trying to find Mr. Right. Deadlines are stressing us out. Some of you guys are thinking about those right this minute. Maybe it's a schoolwork paper due, or maybe it's a report due to your boss. Legal problems are stressing us out. Pretty obvious. Divorce stresses us out. Separation in the home. New jobs stress us out. I'm trying to climb up the corporate ladder. I'm trying to get recognized. New jobs stress us out. There's another group that says, no, it's the old job that's stressing me out. My boss doesn't appreciate me. I need to get paid more. I'm stressed out at my old job. Illness is stressing us out. You know, I think that's so funny, right? Because stress is causing illness, and illness is causing more stress. So it's just like this vicious cycle of illness and stress. Parenting is stressing us out. How many of you guys, can I get an amen in the house? Parenting is stressful. 
It's like I'm responsible for the development of a human being. Like, come on, that is stressful. Expectations of others, right? Everyone needs something from you. They need you to be a certain person. They need you to act a certain way. They need you to deliver something to them. And most of the time, if I can just be honest, the expectations of others can only be filled by God. Unresolved sin is stressing us out. Unresolved sin. So it's carrying the guilt and shame of unresolved sin in your life. Can I just challenge you guys, if you're here this morning and, th and that's you and you have some sin in your life, don't leave here today without leaving it at the foot of Jesus. You don't have to carry that. And the last thing that stresses us out is the line at the Rosenberg DMV. Come on. You guys know it's true. I am forever traumatized by the line at the Rosenberg DMV. It is seriously out of control. It really is. The truth is we all deal with stress. We all deal with stress and we manage it and we try to escape it in different ways. Some of us try to escape it with alcohol. We're so stressed out that at the end of the day, all we want is something to relieve the stress, so we drink. Others of us, it's drugs. Some of, it, some of you use street drugs. Others, it's prescription medication. We're so stressed out that we have to take a substance to make us feel better. For others of us, it's anger. So we deal, we absorb with all the stress. This is me. We absorb all the stress, and then we explode in anger, trying to escape it. Others of us, it's shutting down. Where are all my Netflix bingers in the house? When we're stressed out, we just say, I can't deal. And you watch Netflix for two weeks, trying to avoid and alleviate the stress in your life. It's true. For others, it's overworking or overproducing. Like somehow if we can do enough, if we can keep ourselves busy enough, we won't have to deal with the stress in our life. You see, the problem with those escapes is they actually end up reproducing more stress in your life. So what you went to for relief, and here's the kicker, it works for a little while, right? It works for a little while, but what you go to for relief actually eventually ends up enslaving you. You see, those things are a, temp a, a, a counterfeit. They're a temporary fix. They're not real. And I'm not saying those things to judge you. Listen to me. We all have addictions in our life. We all have things that we go to to alleviate our stress. But let me tell you something. God doesn't want you to just temporarily escape your troubles. He wants to deliver you in the midst of them. Psalms 34:19 says it like this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You see, the more that you know God, the more that you understand his goodness, the more that you walk in relationship with him, the more you see that he doesn't just take your circumstances away, but he gives you the grace, the mercy, and the power to stand firm in the middle of them. That word afflictions um, in, in Psalms 34 is actually a Hebrew term, and it's an Assyrian form of torture. And what it literally means translated is they're going to stand you up on a pole. So they would stand you up on a pole. They would tie you to the pole. And then they would place rocks around you. And they would stack up the rocks so high that they would, they would basically smother you um, until it was all the way up over your chest and head until you died. Some of you are here this morning, and that's exactly how you feel. Like if one more thing, if one more stone gets put on me, I am literally going to die. 
If that's you this morning, I want you to hang on here with me. Because we're going to look at the word of God. We're going to look at some promises and principles that I think are going to help you today. And as I was preparing, um, you know, I love the book of Psalms. Um, David and Paul are actually my two favorite Bible characters. And the book of Psalms is actually a book of songs. And it was written by David or someone under his leadership. And they say David was a man after God's own heart. So he understood something about Jesus' heart. He understood how to connect with God. He, he, he understood something. So I want to pick up in Psalm 62. And this verse really, I think, speaks to our situation. So I want to ask you guys if, if you could read this out loud with me this morning. And it says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And then it says, Selah, Selah. I love that. I love that scripture. That term Selah is actually a Hebrew musical term, and it means to think on these things. So the psalmist is literally saying, I want you to sing that song. And, and this time, a second time, I want the band to play the music, and I want you to sit there and think about it. It literally means to rest. Can we all just take a breath for a minute and just rest in the fact that God is able to do immeasurably more, that he is our rock and our fortress. You know, he is the place where we can find peace. I was talking with a dream teamer um, about two weeks ago, and it was a busy, uh, about three weeks, where we had seven different events, and she was literally the first one there and the last one to leave, which I thought was awesome. So naturally, I go up to her, I'm like, hey, how are you? I've been seeing you at a lot of these events. And she was like, yes, yes, Ashley, I have to tell you, the church is the only place, the only place that I can find peace. That in this world that is becoming more and more corrupt, more and more saturated with sin, that church was the only place that she could find peace. Part of me was, was excited. I was thankful that she could come to church and find peace. But there's another part of my heart that just broke to, to know that she's going back into the world. And I just think about her home situation. I think about all the things that she's dealing with and that she, all the voices that, that are talking to her in her brain that she can't find peace anywhere I'm here to tell you there is a place, there is a place where you can find, where you can go in the middle of your stress and find peace. And that's what I want to look at today. Amen, everyone? All right, so we're going to look first at the two main drivers of our stress, the two main culprits of our stress, and then I'm going to give us three ways to alleviate that. But first, we're going to continue in Psalm 62, and it says, Low-born men, so low-born men basically means um, everyday men and women, so you and I. Low-born men are but a breath, so a breath. Here one minute, gone the next. It goes by quickly. Low-born men are but a breath, and high-born men are but a lie. So high-born men, those people that look like they have all the money in the world, those the rich and famous, those that look like they've made it, those people are but a lie. So they actually are probably dealing with just as much stress, if not more, than we're dealing with. They are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. 
there's that term again. Gone one minute, I mean here one minute, gone the next. It goes by quick. So they have the same condition. Everyone is equal and everyone suffers from the same struggle. And that is that our life is short. So the first driver of our stress is time. Time, write that down. We have to get a grasp on how we are managing our time. You can't do everything you're currently doing. I'm going to say that again because that's a word for somebody. It sounds simple, but you can't do everything you're currently doing. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different result. If you're here and you're struggling with stress this morning, you can't do everything you're currently doing. You can't say yes to everything and everybody. You can't say yes to everything and everybody. You have to say yes to the right things. You have to say yes to the right things. So when I was 27 years old, I was newly married um, to my handsome husband, Kevin, here. And um, I had a new daughter, Scarlett. She was about six months old. And I had just been promoted to a regional sales manager role. And so I thought I had made it, right? Um, and so I, I couldn't watch Scarlett during the day. And so my days would look a little bit like this. Any of you in sales know that you're constantly on if you're a sales rep. And if you're managing sales, multiple sales people, then you are double that or triple that or quadruple that. So I would drop um, Scarlett off in the morning to my mother's house and then I would get in the car. And the moment that I would get in the car, I would pick up my phone and I would have conference calls. So I'd have three different conference calls and then I would call my reps and I'm coaching them. I literally never stopped talking the whole way to the hospital where I had a sales appointment. Then I would get out of the car, meet a new sales rep, go meet with hospital CEOs and CFOs, negotiate a contract and uh, hopefully close the deal, and then come out, get back in my car, and oftentimes go to the airport where I would take a flight to another city and do the exact same thing. And then I'll never forget flying back. Um, I had just closed a deal in Kansas City, so I was pumped. I was glad the week was over. Um, but I'll never forget getting in my car and driving home. I had the windows rolled down. I was like, praise the Lord, this week is over. I can finally relax. And as I started driving, I'll never forget that my jaw just started to clench. I mean, it was just clenching. And then all of a sudden, I started to notice that I couldn't breathe. My chest was tight. And I was looking out at the road. The road was swerving. So I pulled over on the side of the road. And I was sure that I was about to die. Like, I was convinced I'm having a heart attack or a stroke. I, it took me about 30 to 45 minutes to regain my composure when I finally called my husband. We lived in Beaumont at the time, who came and got me and brought me home. And the next day I went to the doctor's office and I was like, listen, doc, I need you to do every test that you have. Something is seriously wrong, like I am dying. And so um, he did an EKG of my heart, so that's where they test your heart. He did a CAT scan of my brain and then they took a, a ton of blood work. And I'll never forget him coming back into the room and sitting down and he says, Ashley, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is that all of your tests came back normal. The bad news is you're crazy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, thanks, appreciate you, you know. But he was saying you're crazy. You can't do everything you're currently doing. Your body is literally telling you to stop. It's literally telling you to manage your time better. We have to evaluate our time. Are you regularly looking at your schedule? Do you have a schedule? And I'm not talking about just a work schedule. Do you have time scheduled for your family? Do you have time scheduled for God? Listen to this. Do you have time scheduled to take care of yourself? 
to go to the doctor, to get your teeth cleaned. We have to make sure that our schedule is balanced and that our time is put in the right places. Let's, let's just make a commitment to evaluate our time and move things as needed. Now let's move to the last portion of that scripture. We're going to continue six, Psalm 62 verse 10. And we're going to look at the second driver of stress. And it says, do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. What it means by stolen goods there, in case you don't know, is everything that you own. All of your time, your talent, your treasures, the shirt that you're wearing, the car that you drove here on. It all belongs to Jesus. It's all his. And it says, so don't take pride in things that aren't yours. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. You see, the second driver of our stress is money. Money stresses us out. We seem to think there's never enough money. Can I get, there's never enough, right? But the reason that we think there's never enough is because we're spending it in all the wrong places. We're spending it on the non-essentials of life. You know, I just told you a little bit about my story when I was 27, and apparently God was trying to teach me some lessons around that same time. So I told you about my schedule and how busy I was and how much I worked, and I got to thinking, I deserve, I deserve a brand new Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah, I needed that Louis Vuitton bag. I had worked hard, and I deserved that Louis Vuitton bag. So I convinced my husband to take me to the Galleria, and uh, he brought me there, and, and I remember getting out and picking out what felt like a small car purchase. It was a little, you know, in case you don't know what Louis Vuitton is, it's a luxury purse, and it looks the same as a purse that you can get at Ross, except it's a little bit better leather, and it has an LV on it. Not judging anyone who has one, even though they're starving people all over the world. I bought one. So, but anyway, so I purchased this Louis Vuitton bag, and, um, and, I, and I went home, and it was awesome. Like, I was showing all my friends. They thought I was cool. Like, I had made it because I had this Louis Vuitton bag. It was awesome for about three weeks. And then I, I set the Louis Vuitton, just so you know, it was $3,000, by the way. Like, just in case. Yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, so I come home, and I set the Louis Vuitton bag on our little, like, entryway there. And it was, it was cool. And then I sit down with, the, with Scarlett and Kevin, and we start to eat. And all of a sudden, what happened? The power went out. You see, we didn't have enough money to pay our light bill. So I had a super fly purse, but we couldn't pay our light bill. I was using money in the wrong places. And maybe your story isn't quite as extreme as that, but maybe you're going out to eat when you have groceries in your pantry. Maybe you're going to Starbucks when you should be tithing. Maybe you're buying more clothes when you should be cleaning out your closet. Yeah. God's word says that if we're faithful with a little, he'll entrust us with much. So why are we asking him for more things when we haven't been faithful with what we have? The truth is, it's because we're desperate. We're desperately trying to fill something in our life. It's a God-sized hole. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7 says it like this. But godliness with contentment. Say contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So being uncontent is really the root of our stress. It's the reason that we're spending time and money in places that we don't need to spend them. 
But how do we find contentment? How do you find that contentment for your soul? How do you find rest? And the answer is really simple. You have to do it God's way. You have to do it God's way. There's no other way. You have to walk in obedience with God. Jeremiah 6.16 says it like this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Some of you are here today and you are at a crossroads in your life. You can continue to do things your way, walk in stress, or you can do things God's way. Look what it says. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest. We have to do it God's way. So I'm going to give you three quick tips on how we can do it God's way as we close. And the first is we have to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. You have to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Listen to me. The best way to determine what you should do with your time and money is to figure out what your life is really all about. You have to know why you were put on the planet. You have to ask yourself, am I making time and money decisions that contribute only to my purpose? You see, we all have a preordained purpose. Let me tell you that. God formed you. He fashioned you. The Bible said he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he gave you specific gifts and talents, that he has a destiny for your life. But you can't make the right decisions unless you know what that purpose is. Up until four years ago, I was that person who didn't know my purpose. I was an example of a person that was saved, that knew God, but didn't have fulfillment in my life. It was all about trying to achieve my purpose. Like if I could do enough, if I could do enough things, somehow I could find fulfillment. Going to church, being religious, check. Six-figure job, check. Married, check. Kids, check. Big house, check. Um, Louis Vuitton bag, check, check, right? Yet at the end, listen to me, at the end of every accomplishment, what I felt was more emptiness, more hopelessness, and more addiction. You see, my life was full of the non-essentials, but the problem was I didn't even know what the essentials needed to be. It was like I had this overwhelming need to be somebody, somebody good, somebody wealthy, the perfect Christian. Again, this idea that I could do enough things to find fulfillment, it's really the spirit of religion. It's a performance, a performance. Let me tell you something. If you don't know your purpose, you'll absolutely settle for a performance. Do you ever feel like you're constantly performing? Like you're constantly trying to, to make it happen? It's exhausting. It's this never-ending hamster wheel of stress. And your purpose in Christ is the absolute only solution for it. I think one of the greatest gifts that we give you here at Anchor Ben is we want to help you uncover God's purpose for your life. We want his design for your life. You see it all over the place. We want you to know God. We want you to know him. We want you to walk in relationship with him. Not religion, not a list of right and wrongs, but relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. We want you to have relationship. <laughs> then we want you to find freedom. Listen, we all, I'm still working on it. We all come to church and we have issues from our past. We have hurts, habits, hangups. We have bondage in our life. 
And we want you to find freedom from that. And we do that in the context of relationships through small groups. If you have not dived into a small group, what on earth are you waiting for? Your freedom is on the other side of it. Your freedom is on the other side of it. Then we want to help you discover your purpose. And we do that through Next Steps. Where's my Next Steps team at? Come on. So Next Steps is our four-week process that helps you uncover God's specific design for your life. Listen, I came to Anchor Bend for a year and a half before I started to go through Next Steps. And can I tell you, I wish every day that someone would have stood up here and told me, what are you waiting for? God's got something for you. It happens every Sunday after service. We're going to take you. We're going we're gonna to talk about your gifts and talents. We're going to give you tests that help you uncover what God entrusted to you. And then we want to help you activate that purpose by making a difference and utilizing your gifts and talents to make an impact on your world. You see, that's exactly what I did. I decided to go all in, and I ran the play. I ran the play. I started getting into small groups. I started going to next steps. I found my purpose, and can I tell you what I discovered? The wisdom of life, the wisdom of life comes from the elimination of things that do not contribute to your purpose. Once you know why you're on the planet, you know what to say yes and no to. Life is too short to not live with a sense of urgency and purpose. Matthew 13 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Hidden in the field, it's hidden inside of you. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The treasure here is talking about your purpose. You see, the kingdom of heaven isn't just some place that you can go in eternity. The kingdom of heaven is you completely unlocked, you completely set free, and walking in the fullness of your purpose. We're going to live with a sense of urgency and purpose. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to put the first things first. We're going to put first things first. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. So when we put God first... When we seek him first and his righteousness first, all of these other things, all of the other desires of your heart will come. We have to put God first. We have to put him first in our time. Guys, just really quick, really practical. But for the love, can we please not grab our cell phones the first thing we do when we wake up? There's plenty of stress. There's plenty of comparison. There's plenty of things on that cell phone that you don't need to start your day with. Instead, can we open our eyes and say, thank you, Jesus, that I have breath in my lungs. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you made me. Just, I mean, and it doesn't have to be, just, just focus on God first. We have to put God first in our family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you leading your family to Christ? Do you have time for your family? Are you finding out about their life and leading them to Jesus? We have to put him first in our resources. Listen, if you came in this morning and you're struggling with financial stress, I want to tell you, I want to challenge you actually to tithe the first 10% of your check. Come on. I promise you, the word of God says that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour so many blessings out that you will not be able to store it. 
He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. God has to be the first in our activities. It has to be the first in what we do. We have to put God first. So to find rest, one, we have to live with a sense of urgency and purpose. Two, we have to keep the first things first. And three, we have to keep our hearts set on heaven. I love 2 Corinthians and, and Paul is writing and he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. So even though you're in the middle of a fight, even though you're in the middle of a situation that seems hopeless, even though it's stressing you out, do not lose heart. Look what it says. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So the stress that you're facing, the difficult situation that you're faced with, God has a purpose for it. And it's to achieve us glory. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. So we have to fix our eyes not on the size of our problem, but on the size of our God. It says, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So make no mistake, you're going to have troubles in your life. I think sometimes we can get caught up in the American gospel. Like somehow we can have heaven here on earth. And we think heaven is having everything that we want. But true happiness is not having more of what we want. It's not in the striving. It's not in what we can produce or what we can perform. True contentment comes when we walk in an authentic relationship with God Almighty. It's when we find out who we are in a desperate pursuit of Him. True happiness, true joy comes from knowing whose you are, what God created you for, and where you're going to spend eternity. You see, we all have stress. You will have trouble in your life. But look at John 14. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And I am going there to prepare a place for you. You see, there is hope. We have to stay focused on the reality of heaven. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Because Jesus offers you much more than a better now. He offers you a better place. If every eye would close and head would bow. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to you in this moment. Holy Spirit, help us, Father. Help us to stop trying to do everything and to start doing the right things. Father God, help us to make the right decisions. God, help us to unlock the purpose that you have placed on the inside of us.
God, help us to walk in alignment with your purpose for our lives. Help us to evaluate our decisions. Father God, help us to see our lives. God, and in this moment, show us the things that are not of you. Help us to make right decisions. And honestly, the best decision we'll ever make is to allow Jesus into our hearts. Maybe you're here this morning, and when I talked about an, a relationship with God, when I talked about knowing God, you walked in without one. Maybe you came in today hopeless. Maybe you're that person that if one more stone gets piled on you, you will literally die. You're carrying a heaven, heaviness today. But I'm here to tell you there is hope and his name is Jesus. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on Calvary for the very weight that you were carrying. If you feel him speaking to you and you would like him like to make him your personal Lord and Savior, maybe your heart is beating fast. God's speaking directly to you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a minute. I'm not going to make you come up to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying with. Don't let this moment go by without making the best decision of your life. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. I see you, I see you, praise God. Is there anyone else? I see you, thank you Jesus. I see you, thank you Father. Is there anyone else? Okay, I just want to ask everyone to repeat after me. And, and just to be clear, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the posture of your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you the rest of my life. And everyone said, amen. 